Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. Thanks for joining Tyler and I for another episode. This is episode 119, and today we'll be chatting with Kathleen Warner, the Executive Vice President and Managing Director of the New York City Economic Development Corporation. Kathleen is a lawyer by training, but following the start of her career in both the private and public sectors, she took a risk and decided to help launch Startup America, where she was the founding COO. There, Kathleen did everything from building the Startup America brand to executing a growth strategy and working with their founding sponsors, which included the Case Foundation, the Kaufman Foundation, an all-entrepreneurial board, and its key public partner, the White House. Following the success of Startup America, Kathleen was looking forward to the next opportunity and decided to undertake the challenge of helping New York City become a global model for tech and innovation. As Executive Vice President, Kathleen works hand-in-hand with industry leaders to address the needs of New York City legacy and emerging businesses to spur economic growth and opportunities for all New Yorkers. Kathleen joins us to share her story, what it was like building Startup America, some of the toughest challenges they had to overcome, how she approaches managing massive partnerships with key stakeholders, what she's working on today at the Center for Economic Transformation, and much more. So once again, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Feel free to tweet us at hack to start drop us an email at hey at hacktostart.com, or share your feedback right on iTunes with a review. Good or bad, we'd love to hear from you. So let's get started. Hey, Kathleen. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited uh, to have you on the show to share your story about, you know, Startup America and all the cool things that you're working on today. But before we dive into that, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Like, where are you from and what did you study? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Connecticut born and bred. Uh, got lots of big family up in New England. Um, although I think of myself in some sense as a New Yorker, having worked in New York City, including now, but in you know various past lives as well. I went to Duke University down in North Carolina, where I studied both English and public policy and um, and then went to law school because at my core, I'm incredibly mission driven um, and really wake up every day thinking about how am I going to make an impact. So went to law school with that in mind. Awesome. That's such a cool story. So how did your passion for tech and entrepreneurship really develop given your you know law school background? Um, I think it goes back to, you know, wanting to make an impact and, and being really mission driven. I, it was at a just a, an interesting juncture. I spent a little bit of time working for a congressman, was a lawyer by training. And then, you know, I'm also deeply curious by nature. And there was a, a you know, a point when I was sort of figuring out what I wanted to do, to do next in my life. So probably like 2010 to 2011 timeframe. And a friend of mine um, had just been named the CEO of the Startup America Partnership. So it was like him and the founding sponsors, Case Foundation, Coffin Foundation. And we went for a walk and talk. And he said, how do you feel about creating jobs for America? And I don't know that I thought so much about the entrepreneurship and tech piece of it, but it was really the notion of making big impact. And certainly technology, you know, was certainly a, a conduit and a catalyst to make that kind of you know, big in, impact and, and entrepreneurship goes back to the core roots of, you know, what our country was founded on, on like making the impossible possible. So uh, it was just this crazy little thing um, about taking a risk and taking a leap and in some sense, just doing a, a big, great big experiment. 
which panned out quite well. So as you mentioned, you were the COO for Startup America. Can you tell us a bit more about this organization, their mission, and what it's all about? As the economy was was really struggling, the Case Foundation, Coffin Foundation, which were the founding partners of and the founding funders of Startup America, came together talking to some super amazing folks over at the White House and said, how do we catalyze and galvanize the private sector to help America up its entrepreneurial game? And out of that came the Startup America Partnership. And it was just this whole concept that based upon that, you know, at our core, we as Americans are incredibly entrepreneurial nature. We build stuff. We do impossible things. And and we're incredibly optimistic and forward thinking the whole you know, frankly, our country was based on this incredibly impossible notion around democracy. And so Startup America was really building upon the American entrepreneurial spirit and looking to the private sector about how do we really catalyze and harness that entrepreneurial spirit across the country, understanding that young high growth companies account for, you know, all net new jobs of the past 40 or 50 years, yet, at least at that time, back in 2011, were not given either the focus or the support across the board outside of places like Silicon Valley and to some extent, you know, Boston. So yeah, that's, that's how it, you know, that's how it came about. And I came on, as I said, early on, right after our CEO to really figure out what is it, what does it mean to have an organization that's really focused on helping America, you know, up its entrepreneurial game and, and bringing resources to the table. So for me, being part of something from the get-go to build something that was going to have really big impact, was going to cut a new path around growth, around jobs, was super, super exciting for me. You touched on it a little bit, but, but what was it like building this type of national organization at a time of like an economic downturn and when startups were not as mainstream as they are today? And just what were like kind of the biggest challenges and or wins that you had during that time? You know, I think skepticism across the board, in some sense, from entrepreneurs, people were like, you can't build a company, you can't build a startup outside of Silicon Valley. And my joinder to that was always, have you ever heard of this little company called Priceline, which was one of the most successful IPOs and tech companies of, you know, of the 90s that was uh, started and grown in that hotbed of entrepreneurship, uh, Norwalk, Connecticut. Our whole idea was that great companies start anywhere. You just have to, you know, understand the ingredients and and take the long view. Um, you know, again, back to how you know have the long view, have the moonshot, and then bring all the ingredients together. And part of the thesis that I helped develop was this notion of treating your community as you would a startup, right? So this great big vision about what made a, uh, an eco, you know, your community unique. Who are the right people you need to have around the table to do that? What are the assets that you bring to bear? And then you just start executing against that to build and you know, to build an entrepreneurial community or or regions across the country. And we, you know, we encountered a fair amount of skepticism from. Um, I remember reading an article on like day two of the that Steve Blank, who I've met through a couple friends and and know him now, you know, for a number of years, but Steve, you know, Steve, among others, was incredibly skeptical about sort of engineering anything relating to entrepreneurship. And then, you know, outside of the entrepreneurs themselves and people who were really the voices and the influencers, you know, the government didn't quite get it. Industry didn't quite get it. But I think the, the wins were also within those same groups of people like tech stars and people like Brad Feld and David Cohen 
were early supporters and champions of ours who had every, you know, really believed in what we were doing and, and building entrepreneurial ecosystems and, and bringing people together in this really collaborative way and partnering with, you know, folks like the White House and, again, having, having people come early, early on and sort of stand beside us and say, like, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to we're going to we're entrepreneurs. So we're going to we're going to figure this out together. And I think in sort of response to some of the challenges, the early wins around getting folks like Microsoft and Dell and American Express, American Airlines, New York Stock Exchange to, to kind of place a bet with us and kind of go on that journey together, as well as this incredible all-star rock star, you know, our advisory board, which was, you know, the, the Reed Hoffmans and Reed Hastings and um, Michael Dell and Kevin Plank and Tori Birch and Nina Vaca. And then, of course, Steve Case. And we had this rock star group of people who did, you know, who were willing to sort of step up and sort of stand beside us. And that allowed us to really get, you know, in some sense, being first allowed us to get a lot of attention and buzz, if you will, which I think sort of helped us catapult across the country this recognition of the significance of young high growth companies, of building entrepreneurial ecosystems, of bringing people to the table. So in some sense, it was super tough being first and, and yes, less mainstream. But at the same time, we had this crazy wide, whether you call it a blue sky or open field, that allowed us to just do all sorts of crazy stuff, which was really fun. That's awesome. And I think like the, the success of, uh, you know, Startup America was really around the partnerships. And, and this is part of your role that you help lead with the Case Foundation, the Kauffman Foundation, and like, as you mentioned, the White House. So how do you approach managing those types of key stakeholders and delivering impactful results with their help? Yeah, no, I, you know, first and foremost, with any kind of partnership, strategic partnership, you know, at its core, it's a relationship and really understanding the needs, the agenda, the objectives of that partner and, you know, aligning along the way and always bringing like, what are we, you know, the alignment of goals, alignment of objectives, over communicating at all times. But, you know, alignment is super, super key. And certainly, I mean, the Case Foundation, the Kauffman Foundation were just incredible partners to us. And we basically lived in the in the Case Foundation and, and Steve and Jean were incredible champions and advisors on so many different levels and were out there. And I mean, frankly, are out there to this day doing what is now Rise of the Rest with Steve and the Case Foundation. And then the Coffin Foundation just provided incredible data that we used all the time. So it was a constant discussion cycle, connection cycle. We were we were really in it together. And I think it's because we all agreed very early on what what, what we wanted to do. We had a framework or a roadmap to get there. And we were, we were, uh, part of my role was I constantly talked to him like, this is where we are. This is what didn't work. You know, this is what failed. And they were so great in understanding that given, you know, Steve and Gene are entrepreneurs, Kauffman Foundation is the foundation of entrepreneurship, that they were just truly partners in, in the st steps along the way. But for me, alignment and just, you know, constant communication about making our milestones, moving along when we needed to shift direction was just but was just really, really important. And I'm I'm a relationship person at my core and just collaborative by nature. So it was a very natural role for me. And the, and the White House was the same way. We um, talked with them a, a whole bunch and they were just game to do really cool things with us. We partnered with them on, you know, the, the first Startup America Day, I think that was 2012, with Startup Day on the Hill, with catalyzing entrepreneurs around the Jobs Act. So again, understanding the partnerships and what the goals are and moving collaboratively toward those goals was absolutely essential to successful partnerships. 
So you've mentioned that early skepticism was a big challenge for the growth of Startup America. So how did you market or build buy-in from entrepreneurs and startups over time? We met them where they were. You know, we, we I mean, I traveled all over the country. I mean, I, I was living uh, in Connecticut. I was working in D.C., but I was, in essence, on a plane, train, or automobile pretty much all the time, you know, whether it was to Lincoln, Nebraska, or Austin or Dallas, Texas, or Chicago, Illinois, or gosh, Bo- you know, Boston, Delaware, you know, all, you know, kind of you name the state with few exceptions, I was there, and as was the team. So we spent a lot of time on the ground, and then frankly, but more than me, like we had sort of, uh, when I looked at our, our regional approach, we had, we had like a billion two in in-kind goods and resources, but the reality was the most valuable asset we had was both our our convening power and our champions, our network of serial entrepreneurs and supporters of entrepreneurial ecosystems in each of these places. And what sort of this, this, our sort of secret to our success was figuring out those people and giving them the support that they needed to go out and organize and bring the skeptics to the table. So, you know, when we were hit up against some skepticism and then we'd somehow finagle, you know, the Wall Street Journal to do a series of articles around Startup America companies and communities, when the entrepreneurs saw the benefits to their communities, particularly communities that had been either overlooked or not necessarily appreciated as being entrepreneurial. That's when, you know, the, the tide I think started, you know, to turn, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's still going on. Um, places like one of my colleagues, for example, started 1776 in DC and, you know, DC again, wasn't a place that was known for necessarily for its entrepreneurship, but Donna, who's a brilliant serial entrepreneur partnered up with some, one of our regional champions and built something there that really was entrepreneur first community based. So, you know, when, when these things started to get seated and then growing, that's when you saw this tipping. And I, you know, I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that Startup America, and we had a tiny little team of like eight people or nine people, you know, that were employed by us, that we really changed national conversation around entrepreneurship and startups, or we were, we were um, influential and, and essential to that. It's not overstating that in the slightest. We were, we were absolutely essential. And I think that seeing that national shift and seeing it go from a few communities to happening across the country in places that people weren't thinking about as entrepreneurial was was a big part of the skepticism turning into, you know, support. That's really cool that you actually went out and spent a lot of time in the trenches with a startup. But during this time of like traveling, do you have any funny or awesome success stories from this experience that you could share with us? Gosh, um, one super fun. We were in Dallas and we were having like a regional champion gathering and we brought in entrepreneurs from all over the country to pitch on the Dallas Cowboy Jumbotron, which was just awesome. I mean, the thing is huge. It's like multiple football sizes field wide. So that was just sort of a cool, you know, kind of a cool experience. And I, you know, I think about our very first board meeting, I'm sitting at the White House with the president of the United States and Kevin Plank and Reed Hoffman and Steve Case and looking around the room going, oh, my God, you know, like this is this is unbelievable. You know, this is it was pretty it was pretty impressive to be in that room. And I, I that the one story around that, which I found hilarious at the time, we you know, that to get into the White House is a pretty um 
especially when you're meeting with the president. There's a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through around uh, security and background checks and all this stuff, you know, for understandable reasons. So we go, we're, you know, we, we get everybody in and I was responsible for getting this crazy hoop jumping. And we, I'm walking up with Reed Hoffman, who is the founder of LinkedIn, part of the PayPal mafia, who is one of the most lovely human beings on earth, you know, smart, kind, just, just carries like six phones or something. And we get up to security and he's like, I'm Reed Hoffman. And they're like, we don't have your name. And, you know, the security guard, and he's like, well, I'm Reed Hoffman. He's, you know, he's very low key. He's not going to throw, you know, whatever he's, he's, and they said, I'm sorry, you can't come in, sir. You, we don't have your name. He had hosted the president at LinkedIn like four days before, but they would not let him into the White House because there had been some glitch in like spelling his name or social security number or something like that. So I don't know if that's like a funny or an awesome story, but it was just like mortifying at the time that here I am with a board member. We literally can't get him into the White House. And we, we finally worked it out, but it was one of those moments that, you know, it was just like, I, I can't really believe that this is happening. And my own sort of personal fun story with D- Damon John of Shark Tank and FUBU was an early supporter and champion of ours. And, you know, he is incredibly busy with his work at Babson and with his, uh, obviously with Shark Tank and his speaking, and he's very committed to youth entrepreneurship. But I had an early meeting with him, I don't know, probably 2011. And we were sort of just thinking about things we wanted to do. And he at one point had proposed that I host a television show where I trained the wives of basketball players to be entrepreneurs. So, you know, it, it was it was one of those things. I'm like, am I really sitting here with this guy, you know, talking about like having a reality television show and, and basketball playing wives? So anyway, those are sort of fun things. Um, and probably all sorts of other stuff that I don't really want to go into on a podcast. But it was it was an amazingly great, fun and energetic time. <laughs> That's awesome. I love all these stories. Sounds like fun times for sure. So today you're now part of the New York Economic Development Corporation, leading the Center for Urban Innovation. Can you tell us a little bit more about this organization and how you created the opportunity to join the team there, given all that you, you know, had done with, with Startup America? Yeah, you know, it, and it's in some ways it's a, I don't know if it's a natural extension, but it's definitely an extension, but also just a chance to go super deep into a particularly a particular community in some sense, like practicing what I had preached for many years about building and seeding entrepreneurial ecosystems across the country. And I guess I joined about nine months ago and I swore up and down, you know, after Startup America that I was, you know, I was going to go start a company and I was, or maybe I was going to go raise a fund. And so I, you know, sort of explored a bunch of stuff um, over time, but I wasn't going to do government. I wasn't going to do government. I wasn't going to do government. And then this opportunity actually back to Reed Hoffman, I like saw this gig on LinkedIn, which is um, for me, at least is a little bit ironic as, as connected a person I am that I saw this opportunity, but it was really in a city of 8.5 million people to lead. We were then called the center for economic transformation to lead you know, entrepreneurial and, and innovation efforts within economic development for the city of New York and develop, you know, do research, develop programs and partnership and scale them all to spur economic growth. And, you know, I, I don't think I mentioned, but I spent a little bit of time. I, I worked for a congressman for a short period of time. I spent some time in the private sector in, on the financial services side. I obviously had the Startup America startup and tech piece with a little bit of philanthropy thrown in. So this opportunity to come into New York City, be part of this incredible organization that were creating jobs and looking at inclusive growth across a city of 8.5 million people was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up. 
That's awesome. So what are some of the biggest challenges you're currently facing and how does an organization like the Center for Urban Innovation kind of contribute to continuing to grow the startup scene in a city as awesome and, and diverse as, as New York City? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, I've been here about nine months. And I think that the biggest challenge generally is, you know, we're, we, we work, we provide economic development services for the city of New York, but my group, the Center for Urban Innovation is a unique little entity within economic development. The challenge coming in is that the, the group had been stood up or started probably about 2010. They're there about, it's not, you know, a little before Startup America and facing the same kinds of things. Like how do we look at New York City and we ensure that we create jobs for the future and we spur economic growth while looking at things through an innovative and entrepreneurial lens. And when I came in, that we had the group had done a lot of really great work, but my sense was that we needed to sort of step back and think like, where do we need to go for the future? Like if we are really the innovation and entrepreneurial driver for economic development, we had to, you know, innovate ourselves and change the way we looked at the world. And while sectors and industries are super, super important to any economy, the reality is that innovation happens across sectors and technology has impact across sectors. So the the go-to examples I always use are, you know, 3D printing, right? Like, is it a technology or is it, you know, is it part of the food economy? Because we now print food and we print lungs and we print, you know, devices. And so it has impact across so many different industries and yet is is part of an industry, you know, in and of itself. And same things with like virtual reality, augmented reality, which came up through gaming and content and media, yet is being used in life sciences to train doctors. And it's being used in real estate to reimagine space. And there are, you know, there are so many different technologies and innovations that happen across industries that the old school model of thinking about, let's start with an industry that matters, was going to limit our growth. So it was, a, it, it was more just like the structure in terms of where we wanted to be in the future wasn't as flexible or nimble as it could be. So I spent a bunch of time just talking to people both within the organization and outside of the organization, got some amazing entrepreneurs here in New York City and and then did a reorg. And now we're just we're just starting to execute on that. And as I said, looking for where are the jobs of the future, where's the growth opportunities, where are the innovations and and how do we again create the right environment and utilize government tools because I don't ever want to play where the private sector already is playing, you know, to to better support startups and job growth, you know, here in New York City. So what's next for the Center for Urban Innovation? You know, again, like I I just we want to support companies that create well-paying jobs at scale. And, you know, almost by definition, that's startups and and supporting entrepreneurs. We have this incredible program. We were the first in the country the first municipality in the country to offer working with CUNY, the the City University of New York, to off you know to to help uh, foreign born entrepreneurs find a path to to citizenship. And we were heartened to see that you know the feds are also helping to create a streamlined process and and for entrepreneurs to stay here. So that was one thing. Like how do we again um, support entrepreneurs? in a city that's as diverse as New York City to, you know, to come here, to stay here, to grow here. And so our, our efforts to attract and retain founders from all over the world, frankly, is, is a, is a big piece of it. And then frankly, the whole notion of inclusive innovation, not only in the kinds of companies that are built here, because New York companies, New York startups are really 
very much connected to people, connected to anchor industries. We solve real world, big, huge honking problems within life sciences, within the creative economies, within, you know, food, within sustainability and resiliency. And, and a big piece of that is ensuring that across all demographics that, you know, New York is an incredibly diverse city, right? Like there's something, I don't know, what the, I don't know if it's 40% or 50%, either children of immigrants or immigrants themselves. And so ensuring that people who build companies here who are from other countries have a, you know, a very clear supported path is what we're doing to the city university of New, uh, New York. Um, and as I said, I was heartened to see the work that the feds announced the other day with their international entrepreneurship programs. Um, you know, they're, they're looking to make it easier across the country. You know, we, we did it at scale within New York city with, with our great, again, back to partnerships, the city university of New York, and we'll continue to do more of that. And in a similar vein, we want to ensure that all of our programs are accessible to provide opportunities for all New Yorkers. And um, the notion of inclusive, you know, growth and inclusive innovation is something that, again, we're, I've certainly been seeing across the country, New York's going to be first in like cracking that code around ensuring that, you know, all New Yorkers, regardless of where they're from, at their educational level have, you know, have that kind of opportunity to be part of growth and entrepreneurship. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing your story with uh, with being a part of the Center for Urban Innovation. But on another note, what are some of the most recent apps that you've downloaded and or used lately? I just I downloaded Prisma last night. Is it Prisma or Prisma? It was sort of a fun. I'm 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 a big lover of Instagram, and so that was kind of fun just to play around with you know additional filters and just completely fun. And then in the wanting to ensure that, you know, mind, body, spirit is as healthy as I can be. I downloaded Strava, although I'm still trying to figure out, I, I've used like, I guess it's the Under Armour, you know, map my ride, but I've had a lot of friends say, I've got to try Strava. I do, do a little bit of running, do a little bit of biking. So always looking for the app where like I can measure my progress, but also listen to my awesome music because I'm a big fan of all sorts of really great tunes. And then the last one was, is Headspace because I'm determined to start meditating. I'm not someone who's very good at sitting still, but I figured I could swing 10 minutes a day. So yeah, those are my three most recent, Strava, Prisma, and Headspace. That's awesome. So do you have any recommendation on just great content that you've come across lately, like either a book, video or a blog post? Oh, gosh. You know, I a good friend of mine, uh, this woman, Jenny Lawton, she just actually just took a role as a COO of Techstars, but she's a serial entrepreneur. She was the she uh, was uh, in leadership at MakerBot, she came in right after the founder, Bree, and was was uh, the CEO there and then went over to Little Bits. And she's just this kick-ass woman who I've known for very many years because she's a Connecticut person too. She started a blog a little while ago called um, Old School Adventures. And it's, you know, it's really just like about sort of mindfulness and thoughtfulness. It's pretty short, but it kind of just puts life in perspective, which I'm just loving. Um, I'm a big fan of Brad Feld's blog, and I love Mark Sisters' Both Sides of the Table. And then I also follow something called Blavity, which was started by a woman, Morgan Debon, and it's um it's really the voice of Black millennials around creation, innovation, and culture. Back to like I this just curious mind and and constant learning mode. I like to read and check out stuff that you know it comes from a very different perspective than from where I come from. It just I just like to be challenged, and I also read like a bunch of poetry. Like so it's. It's not incredibly random, but I like to make sure that I'm mixing it up a little bit and 
um, not get too stuck in any one, you know, too much. While I love Inc. and Forbes and Fest Company and all that stuff, I can get a little too business focused. So I like to mix it up with different stuff. Those are definitely some great resources and we'll make sure that we link to them so other people can find them. So do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think other people should know about? Yeah, so I have two, which is live in possibility. And also when you're given the chance to make your world bigger, take it. I've never regretted taking big, huge leaps and just going and doing stuff. So yeah, take, take the risk, take the chance, make your world bigger. Awesome. That's such a great way to end the episode. Kathleen, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate having you on. Hey, Tyler Franco, so much fun. Really great to spend time with you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's another episode of Hack to Start. Thanks for listening, and we hope to have you join us again soon. Remember to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and on the web at hacktostart.com. We honestly couldn't do it without your awesome support, so please leave us a review on iTunes. Until next week, and we hope you enjoy the show.